0: people were still digesting the idea that we might have a, a housing crisis. Yes. And I'm running around like Chicken Little saying, <laughs> we are fully in a housing crisis. We're on the verge of a yes.
1: homelessness crisis. Yes. And I swear people yes. thought that that was a crazy conversation to have. Yes. On any given day, you you do see um, someone on city council or someone working for the bank downtown, sitting next to someone who's experiencing homelessness.
2: You're listening to Illogical by Truth. This podcast decodes the language, decisions, and hidden areas of local power that often seems illogical to residents. The goal of this podcast is to empower people to engage locally and to understand how significant it is to be aware and active at the local level. Once local government is logical, it will become meaningful and provide the benefits that allows for people to live a thriving life. Hello, I'm Terrence Roof, and today on Illogical by Truth, we have two amazing human beings, um, two people I care about deeply. Um, We have Maggie Kane, who is the executive director, CEO, I'm not sure which title it is, of A Place at the Table. And for those of you who... Um, no, a uh, Pay What You Can Cafe. Maggie has one of the largest in the country, and she has committed her life to making sure that um, everyone has a place uh, at the table. And so uh, located in downtown Raleigh, uh, Maggie came with, with us today to really wrestle with the role of nonprofit, um, a personal story of leading and, and guiding in this way. And then we also have with us Lorena McDowell. Lorena McDowell is director of the largest county in North Carolina affordable housing efforts. And uh, she wears many hats within that title, Um, and we'll we'll explore that as we go through. But uh, she was the first human being that I met that was able to cast a five to 10-year vision on how to be aggressive on affordable housing, not just uh, locally, but she uh, shared how um, that local vision could impact both the region, the state, and the country. So, with that, we have uh, two amazing human beings that will help us uh, understand and sort of uh, wrestle with the ideas of uh, homelessness and affordable housing. And so, today, welcome Lorena and welcome Maggie. I'm glad you're here. Thank you.
1: Happy to be here. We think you are equally as amazing, Harry. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: So, Maggie and Lorena, you both have blazed trails in the areas of helping and advocating for those who are without. That's sort of your story, your brand. Without food or without homes, your journey has influenced your local government, your local communities. How did you get to this point where those without has become your personal career story? Mm -hmm. Uh, Lorena, we'll start with you.
0: Oh, that's easy, Um, because I'm a person with lived experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I experienced housing insecurity and instability when I was a youth, I spent most of my high school time um, in group homes, shelters, on friends' couches, um, and got to really experience kind of the other side of the world, right? The other mm. side of this. Um, and I remember, and I can tell you the night, laying on the cot that I was on at home away when mm. I decided people should not live like this. Mm. And I'm going to grow up and I'm going to fix it all, right? Yeah, now, obviously, that was I was you know a 15 year old dreaming at that time, mm-hmm. but I figured out a way to come back to this work and make what I think is the greatest impact that I can do mm-hmm. um, on the folks that I feel are akin to me and really mm-hmm. want to serve. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I could I could I could see that in the way you engage human beings, not just in your office, but you're probably the most present county staff member that I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um, But you're actually in the community that you want to be in. That brings me to Maggie. Maggie is present everywhere. And so, Maggie, how did you get to that point, to that story? I don't
1: know about everywhere. That's a lot of pressure. Um, Just really fortunate to be be at this point. um, As someone who grew up privileged and advantaged or with advantage, I grew up volunteering. My mom had us volunteering in a lot of different places. And I, at a young age, started to notice the disparities and inequities um, the system and the divide between people and and started to to just really notice that, open my eyes, started to get to know people and be in relationship with people who were different than me, people who were experiencing poverty, experiencing homelessness and and started to see that we, we in in our town in this town I grew up in and, and at the time was proud to live in, I wasn't mm. proud to live in anymore. Mm. and mm. we needed a place where everyone could come together where, um some of the some of those divides started to to um come down a bit
2: mm, you you know what's fascinating about both of you you have become the face of homelessness and housing oh. so when people think about it's that really they normally really they normally <laughs> think work. about that so so most individuals try to distance themselves from those two categories mm. and y'all like lean into that space and i think it's fascinating because you do it with passion it doesn't it comes off extremely authentic. Yeah. What encourages you or forces you to do that, to, to be in a space where most people will run from or not wanna be associated with? Homelessness, hunger, housing. How do y'all feel confident leaning into that space when people who are volunteering at your cafe may not be as comfortable? People who have homes and don't have to think about housing wouldn't be as comfortable? How are you so comfortable? <laughs> That's <your> question. <laughs> how are you so comfortable in these spaces where most people are not?
1: Sure. Um, how are we so comfortable? Um, we have to be. Mm. It's We have to do it. Mm. Um, our world will not survive if we don't. Mm. Um, it, especially sitting in my su- shoes as a white privileged woman, we have to be the ones that do that. We have mm-hmm. to lean in. Um, you you know, you set a really hard, high bar for both of us to say we are the faces. <laughs> really high um, <laughs> So we are leaning all the way in and we are not stopping because we have a lot of work to do yeah. here yeah. in our area. Yeah. Um, and the answer is we just have to. Yeah.
0: yeah, it has to get done. I mean, I think, you know, for me it's a calling. You know, mm-hmm. it started from me experiencing that. Um, but beyond that, I think it's just always been a calling. Anytime that I've leaned into this work, mm-hmm. I felt, fulfilled i see the efforts on the ground i I can i can i can see that my efforts are helping folks who feel akin to me right like these are my folks are my people and so it's 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 really important to me even just for like my mental health to do this work i can't Mm -hmm. imagine Mm -hmm. doing anything else with my life than trying to help people have the thing that i think we all should have if nothing else a roof over our head i mean it's the most basic human right right that's right food to eat (laughs) yep yep
2: And I I want to give a caveat, uh, or at least I want to put an asterisk here. They would never put themselves on the face of anything. These are very humble individuals. But if you go, um, they're located in in, uh, Wake County and in Raleigh, which is uh, in North Carolina. So um, they're in one of the fastest-growing regions of the country. Um, They are in one of the fastest-growing tech hubs in the country. And so you're going to see several... um, Quality of life indexes or indicators that say that this is one of the best mm-hmm. places to live. And you have two of the individuals that are living and spending their time on the inverse of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so most people would rather be at the top of the charts on best place to live, fastest growing city, whatever those may be. They choose to be on the other side of uh, homelessness, hunger, and being unhoused. And so I humbly would just say that they wouldn't accept those Mm -hmm. titles to be in the face of those two categories in their city. But it's evident if you ask any human being (laughs) around it.
0: And what you brought up actually is kind of why our work is so necessary Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're growing so Mm -hmm. fast, right? Like Wake is the second fastest growing county in the entire nation, Mm. right? And it just continues to speed up. We are a desirable place. We are a tech hub. We bring these high earning jobs Mm -hmm. here, which puts more pressure on our market, right, in terms of cost. We have a lower vacancy rate in Wake County than the nation, and the nation has a Mm -hmm. housing Mm stock crisis. We have an affordability crisis, yes, but we have a stock crisis, Mm -hmm. full stop. All the way up to $3 million houses in our community, Mm -hmm. we don't have enough of those for the current demand, all the way up Mm -hmm. to $3 million. And so you can only imagine what that means for those who just want a starter home. They almost Mm -hmm. don't even exist anymore. And a part of that is because we're so desirable. it pushes people out of our market. It pushes people to the edges in the fringes. It pushes them out of their homes. It makes them now need places like, you know, yeah. Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they can get a meal from you, they can maybe pay some of their rent or for a room to keep over their head, you know. Sure. So what you're talking about is kind of what drives the need for this mm-hmm. kind of work. I think it's beautiful for communities to be desirable and grow. Mm -hmm. But it should be intentional, sustainable, smart growth.
1: Mm. Um, And if we're going to say, you know, we're we're top leading city, we're top leading place to live, it needs to mean that that, that's for everyone Uh, and not just one group of people. Absolutely. And and,
2: and, and that you mentioned housing, most individuals think they know about housing and homelessness, Mm -hmm. especially in their community. So, Lorena, what would you say— is surprisingly unknown by most people when it comes Mm -hmm. to housing. (laughs) That's a good question.
0: So I think that we often lean on the old narrative that most people who are homeless are homeless because they have mental health issues, Mm -hmm. because they have substance abuse issues. issues, That exists, but the number one growing demographic that we have here is first-time homelessness. Mm -hmm. It's people who were able to afford their homes before, but the cost of housing has outpaced the increase in income The need for stock because of our growth has outpaced the amount of stock that we're creating, right? Um, The supports that people need if they end up on the verge, on the edge, don't exist. So we have a system and a stock that has failed our residents. So I know there's a lot of conversation on behavioral health and mental health supports that are needed, and those are necessary, and it's growing across the nation. We need those things. But the reality is we also just have your regular, old, average resident who used to be able to afford to live in a community who's priced out now and just can't afford to live here anymore. Mm -hmm. I think most people are really surprised here that most of us are a few paychecks away from housing Mm -hmm. instability as well.
2: And what would you say um, is the reason for people being so confident about what they perceive to understand around housing?
0: I think because people stick to what's most visible Ah, to them, right? And they don't really dig under the surface. And I've only been in this community for five years. And I recall, well, you remember when I I first got here, we were talking about (laughs) housing and security. And people were still digesting the idea that we might have a a housing crisis. And I'm running around like Chicken Little saying (laughs) we are fully in a housing crisis. We're on the verge of a homelessness crisis, And I swear people thought that that was a crazy conversation to have at the time. But when you've worked in other cities and seen, you know, as I have kind of the progression of communities like this, you know what's coming. Um, And I think a lot of people just weren't ready for that conversation. But like I often say, you know, and our county manager often says the same thing as well Is Wake is not a small town anymore. It's not a small town. We have big city, big town, big county problems, mm-hmm. um, and we're still talking about solutions yes. that work for yep. small little communities.
2: Now, now, before before we before we, I have a question for Maggie that's connected to the increase in uh, and, and homelessness. But can you help us understand the difference between a housing crisis and a, and a homeless mm-hmm. crisis? Like, can you help us understand <clears throat> yeah. those two?
0: I mean, they're connected. They're they're they are forever connected. But so we have a housing stock crisis. So when we talk about needing stock. We are talking about we should have a stock of, a, of units in our community mm-hmm. that are affordable mm-hmm. to people at whatever level mm-hmm. the need is, whatever their income is. And here in Wake County, we don't have any stock that is affordable to anybody at any income. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough of it all the way up to $3 million homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I say we have a stock wow. problem, I mean we have a stock uh, problem. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when you start looking at incomes, we actually have over 60,000 people in Wake County who are spending more than 30% of mm-hmm. their income just keeping a roof over their head. Mm-hmm. And when you are spending that much of your income or more, and the majority of them are spending more than 50% Mm. of their income, which means they're what we call extremely cost burdened, Mm. that means that you are on the verge of losing that. Mm. It's not stable. Um, And a lot of them are falling into homelessness as a result of that. Um, Or they're making other choices that they wouldn't normally have to make. Their children aren't going to the schools they want them to. They're not Mm. eating the healthy meals that they should be eating because they're just trying to keep a roof over their head. Mm. So. That's the housing crisis that we have, and the homelessness crisis is a direct result of not having the stock and not having the supports ah, that our community
2: needs. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, now Maggie, you have created uh, again. This is me, um, how I see Maggie. Maggie is a very humble person, mm-hmm. so this is my perception. So I just want I'm to start. my this. eyes right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so Maggie, you you have created a local restaurant that has become the doorway to the city of Raleigh. And when I say doorway, that's the that's a, a place that you can go, and in a snapshot, see all of the city in that in that restaurant. And one of the, it's probably one of the only spaces in the city where you can see a CEO eating alongside an unhoused person in your restaurant called a place at the table. How did you create a local space mm. where those who are normally hidden in cities become your target audience?
1: Mm, mm, yeah. Uh, thanks for that question. And I do to to on the last question you just asked, I just wanted to throw in here there that yesterday we were together and we heard <laughs> the the stat that David said yes, what was mm-hmm. it one million people a year ago and now it's one point two. Yes. Couple years ago, yeah,
0: we're at one point two and we're trending. At 2025, 20, I think it is to be at 1.5.
1: right. 20, yeah. Wow. So I, you think about that and it's just that extreme yeah. growth really quickly, which will lead to all the, these things that you were t- you were saying. Yes. Um, and we've seen that at a place to table, surely. Um, but let me back up a little bit and just say what a place to table That's is good. to give some context is um, we are a normal restaurant. Um, we look and feel like a normal restaurant. Um, when, you, when you walk in, it looks and feels like a normal restaurant. You smell good food. You see fun photos on the wall. You see friendly faces. And you, that's when you get, you get up to the register. You start to see some suggested pricing. Um, so people can choose to pay that price. They can pay more and pay it forward. They can pay less. Um, they can pay by volunteering. They can pay using a place card that gets handed out to a lot of different organizations in the Triangle and um, in different partnerships that we have. And so we are a pay what you can restaurant um, where as Terrence said, you know, it's the city's doorstep. We say all are welcome. Community, we use uh, community and good food for all regardless of means. So we use good food as a tool towards creating community and providing a place really where all are welcome and all can come in there. So on any given day, you you do see um, someone on city council or someone working for the bank downtown, sitting next to someone who's experiencing homelessness or someone, um, you know, who's breaking Bringing their kids in, and and um, can only afford a couple of the meals out of the the five or six people they bring, right? Um, so it really is a place that has uh, brought this culture of inclusivity and hospitality and dignity, and um, I, I just feel lucky to be a part of it. But. Uh, a couple years ago, you know, pr- to your earlier point about how cost of living has increased sure. and it's becoming a place where people can't live anymore, yeah. and we want to be a place where everyone can thrive. Um, when before we opened, we committed to um, taking care of our team and and making sure that our team could thrive and live and succeed and, and, you know, live successful lives. Um, And so we said we'd always pay a living wage. And, uh, you know, five years ago when we opened, that living wage in Wake County was $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even really the living wage. It was the suggested living wage. And it was $15 an hour. And, you know, you fast forward. Right now we're sitting at $19 an hour. And I think about that. We still can't live on $19 an hour. Yeah. So yeah. so, and that's for a single person without children. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So so, um, you know, we at a place at table yeah. are always going to try to do better and better day by day, as often and be- and best as we can. Um, but we said if we can do all these things for our staff and and take care of our team, who's going to take care of the city's doorstep, yeah. everyone walking in the door. Um, you know, if we do that for a year, we've done the right thing. Mm. So so, um, you know, I don't even remember your earlier question.
2: No, no I mean you, you touched it well we were just trying to figure out how did you create that 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 yeah. doorway like how do you create that mosaic picture of all mm-hmm. different faces of people yeah. doing one thing? You, you know
1: you make people feel welcome you make people feel mm-hmm. a part of it you create opportunities for people to be a part of it um and for me it's not me you listen to other people who who know more than you mm-hmm. I came in with no expertise on anything I I came in um with a team of people that had mm-hmm. expertise in the nonprofit space and the restaurant space and the legal space um I I truly don't take credit for any of this because I had none of this expertise. And I think that the the way good things happen, the way places like this happen is when the community comes together and you make people feel a part of it. Um, So we started working on this in 2014. We opened in 2018 and we had all these folks that had joined in into this cafe community cafe movement. We open our doors, and that has only continued. Um, being in the restaurant, as I said, you know we've got the pay what you can model. Um, but we you know you walk in, first and foremost, there is always a door greeter. and that door mm-hmm. greeter is making sure you feel welcome, you feel loved, you feel you feel a part of it to that earlier point. And, and so so you feel like you're a part of this thing and you're, you are welcome and you understand the mission because it can be scary to walk into a place that yep. there are prices on the menu, even if they're suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that door greeter is number one. Mm-hmm. But then number two, and more, more importantly, is our staff. Yep. Um, you know, the staff that we said we're going to continue to take care of they make people feel loved every day. I'm not in there every day, they are. They're doing the hard work, they're showing up, they are loving people, they're knowing their stories. They are They are then connecting to the resources they need um, that they may not find in other places. And, and so, so I, I think this is a long-winded ans- okay. and yeah, answer oh, to your good. question, but that's it's good. like, you hire really good people, mm. you make people feel a part of it. Those, those those people you hire make people feel a part of it, um, and, and you do the best you can and treat people the way sh- they should be treated.
2: You know, it's, it's it's one thing to talk about the exchange between dollars and meals. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about your your restaurant is when people have to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Now, even at the volunteer level, you have very well off. They could they could just give you money mm-hmm. and go about their day, mm-hmm. but they come and they into the restaurant. And they wash dishes, mm-hmm. they sweep the floor, they hug people who are unhoused and housed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to leave their living room. Mm-hmm. They could just send you a lot of money mm-hmm. and just... So you have even mastered the idea of merging class in, at the volunteer space. Mm-hmm. And usually people volunteer along class levels. Mm-hmm. So they're all going to volunteer at one place because it's nice and clean and neat, or they're going to mm-hmm. volunteer here because it's, it has uh, uh, in the crevices of certain places. How did you mix that volunteer pool mm-hmm. to where it's almost every class is represented Mm-hmm. in your restaurant mm-hmm. at the volunteer they're not getting a penny that's mm-hmm. <laughs> coming to give their time
1: as as many dishes as i do they might they might hope they're getting a penny but they're not. <laughs> um no i think you know you know so as a, a place table works that you know I, I said those those different ways to pay but um there are folks that to terrence's point that sign up to volunteer there are folks that have a weekly shift with us and there are folks that just show up anytime and volunteer um and everyone has access to a meal we don't ask questions um, but I think we just create a space, mm-hmm. and 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 we have a mission where people feel a part of it, and and um, we've got folks that make connections between people. But I also think that food is a tool to mm-hmm. bringing people together, just like volunteering is That's a right. tool to bringing people together, and so. When you're doing dishes next to someone that you don't know, those those barriers and walls start yeah, to break down, and sure. so just like when you're sitting next to someone and sharing a meal, um, so I think you we just created a space where people yeah. can do that, cool. um, and I do I think I think you know what you what you don't know you don't know, and then when you do know you you know you got to yeah, change sure. it, and you that know sure. you got to be a part that's of it, sure. and so I think that us just opening our doors has has allowed people to see that hey. I actually could talk mm. to someone who may be different than me. I actually mm. could be in spaces that that, that yeah. um, you know of people who are different than me, and I want to be. That's good. Love so that. I think I think we just created the space. Mm. The community has built it. That's good.
2: Mm. That's good. Now, and now, Lorena, you're you're leading the housing efforts um, in Wake County. Um, how do you help people or someone understand the current state of housing mm. and like? potential strategies to address because huh? yeah. it's it's the talk of the nation <laughs> and so <It> so is. <laughs> so how do how do we help us understand because' your Maggie will see, Volume increase based on housing. Mm-hmm. She will see volunteer trends based on housing. Mm-hmm. Um, even staffing patterns are based on housing. And yeah. so, and so, yeah. how do we help? Can you help us understand that picture to some degree?
0: I think what you're touching on is that housing is kind of a part of everything. Yeah, that's good. Right, and that's I think good. people look at housing and they, especially having you know being a housing expert, people ask me, "Well, what's the answer? Mm. Just give me the silver bullet. Yeah. <laughs> Just what's the easiest way to fix it?" And that doesn't exist. Yeah. No. No. Right. Um, It is tied to so many, it's tied to income in your community. Mm -hmm. As Maggie said, thank you for paying a livable wage, Mm -hmm. because if you had not, that's just more that I've got to figure out. And so so I often talk about like, you know, housing. I love what I do. It is my life's passion, 100 percent. But creating affordable units and focusing on affordability is only one side of it. If we don't figure out how to make income start keeping pace with costs here we're gonna be creating ourselves forever and forever. We're gonna be Mm -hmm. trying to figure out ways to create more units. But for us, we have to come at it from many different angles. And so in our department, which a lot of folks probably don't know, most counties don't have housing departments. So we're a little unique. It's a new thing that in a lot of places in the country are starting to do it. But Wake was really at the cutting kind of edge of this. Mm -hmm. Our commissioners a number of of years ago realized that, okay, there's this affordability issue, they thought, Mm -hmm. at the time, (laughs) right? (laughs) Happening around our community. Tiny issue. (laughs) This little issue, this little thing. Um, And you know, but, but, but thankfully um started to kind of wake up and realize something was going on. They commissioned a study. The study said, yeah, you you are short a lot of stock. You need something. This affordability plan was created. Then they had this plan and, no staff. you know, who's going to do it, right? (laughs) Because there wasn't a housing department. And so our commissioners commissioned a new housing department to be risen. And so I, you know, they did a national search for a director and that's how y'all got stuck with me. So I've been here for- (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) We've been here for five years building the department and staffing it. But as we've done that, we've really, we've had to take into account that housing affordability is a spectrum, right? And yeah. so we kind of touch all the pieces along it, all the way from we run the largest men's shelter in North Carolina mm-hmm. at Sullivan Street Center, right? We fund all the shelters because they need money yeah. to do the work they do. Um, we have hundreds of vouchers for permanent part of housing. And we do, we've done thousands of units for affordable housing development because we've got to develop new units. We're preserving thousands of units wherever we can. It's kind of that you've got to be all over the spectrum of it, oh, right? Yeah. Like you've got to be all across it because there's no one silver bullet. So for us, in terms of increasing, increasing units, that's been our main focus right now, um, we have incentivized over 3,500 new, new or preserved units to be built or preserved. A lot of communities talk about, well, just build new units. That's great, but when you're as desirable as we are, Developers are buying up those currently existing yeah. affordable houses We call NOAA, naturally occurring affordable housing. You can't build your way out of that. You yeah. have to also save that and preserve yeah. that. And when you do that, you help to, you help to save and preserve communities right. as well. People who want to stay in communities they were born in and raised in and from. that if we don't help preserve that, they'll be priced out of. So we're working on that. Yes, we want to be a part of new development yeah. too. Yes. So new development. Then there's landlord engagement, talking Mm -hmm. to landlords and education and helping them understand the benefits of working with our folks. You don't have to be afraid to work with our folks who've experienced homelessness or who might have a voucher. In fact, there's benefits to it. Mm -hmm. COVID did a lot of things that were horrible. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think it did that helped us was it helped a lot of people realize a couple of things. One. A lot of people were on the verge and didn't think they were. Ah, that's good. Because right? their financial investors good. told them, just save six months of so all your bills and you'll be fine. That's well, good, what happens when it's two years later and you're still that's out good. of work? It wasn't just
1: six yeah, months. Right? Yeah.
0: We had a lot of people who would consider them, we call them NIMBY or not in my backyard. We don't want your shelter or affordable housing in our community. A lot of them just needed education on who those people yeah, were because good. they found themselves calling for programs that's during good. COVID as well. That's good. Um, so that's really important. Um, and then, you know, I think also what it helped people to realize is that you know, healthy communities thrive when we are looking at serving everyone mm-hmm. at all income levels, whatever their needs are, behavioral health, mental health, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't, you start to see your, your community doesn't look and feel the same mm-hmm. anymore anyways. Yeah. So saying that in my backyard doesn't really help when you start to see 10 cities pop up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we yeah. haven't been helping the least of us. That's right. Good. Um, so it kind of started to expose, I think, a lot of that, and that, and helped us to kind of it blurred the line between the us and them, yeah. and you know, yeah. um, and I think that's really helpful for our community, so we can move forward together as yeah. one community.
2: Now, I I, um, I heard you mention sort of landlord engagement. You, you're pretty much in community at all times, yeah. and so are you, Maggie. And I want to I want to talk about the merging of y'all worlds together. So, so Maggie, you have literally changed how people see nonprofit communities. So, when they walk into your restaurant, there's a social worker. That social worker is engaging people around homelessness, mental health, Um, it's making the environment friendly. Um, There's so many layers to that, to where I've never seen a restaurant where there was a social worker inside. When you hire, um, everyone that's an employee comes from different class mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So you have everyone from a chef who's well trained to a chef that was that learned and mm-hmm. and, and, and and came to the ring. So um, with all of these different sort of nuances to nonprofits that you're creating for that target audience of the unhoused, how are you help us understand? what should be the future of nonprofits as its trying to brace for yeah. this crisis yeah, that is
1: for sure like
2: what trends should we you sure. expect or hope for in that space
1: yeah we uh, yeah we, we definitely have to hope for it and we definitely have to lean all in as you said mm-hmm. earlier um I think nonprofits have to work together I think I think we had a place to've been so fortunate over the years to work and collaborate with um, tons of different organizations in the triangle that are doing really great work. Yeah. And we found that we are better, as so cliche to say, but we're better together. Yeah. Um, yeah. We are better when we work together. We are better when we collaborate <laughs> together. We're better when we're able to connect all the dots yeah. um, rather than being on isolated. Um, playing fields, right, yeah. isolated islands, um, there is enough money to go around, yeah. so let's let's share that, yeah, let's connect that. each other to different grants that make sense for a different organization that's than right. ours, let's, mm-hmm. let's connect funders to different organizations that make more sense, right. um, but we have to work together, um, it, so I think that's one collaboration, I think we have to listen to what the community really needs, yeah, when we got started as a place of table, um, you know, a big reason, I didn't mention earlier, but a big reason, table even happened, and how we created this hospitable place, Place is because we listened to the community and what the community really needed. Sure, we use expertise from the community and different people, but um, you know, we really asked um, you know, folks that that are coming into a place to table yeah. every day and would be coming into a place to table yeah. every day, what what do you want this cafe to be? Yeah. And so I think we have to listen to our our neighbors that are in our community. What mm-hmm. do you want this community mm-hmm. to be? What do you need from our nonprofits? Mm-hmm. Um and we have to be open to changing and yeah. and that's good. I hate to say it, pivoting. <laughs> I hate that word. I really, really try hard so, not to use that it's word. So but true. It's so true. <laughs> we have to be open to to changing and growing and evolving yeah. um, with what's needed because you know, Lorraine, as you said earlier, that that. Um, Covid taught us a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it's changed all of our orgs. It's Absolutely. changed all of our businesses. It's changed our whole county. All of this. Mm-hmm. So we have to be open to that change and what the community really needs for us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we as nonprofits, frankly, we got to be better. We got to pay better. We gotta. Yeah. We gotta treat our employees better. We gotta. Um, and this is no. This is no aside. Mm-hmm. But there's that big. Uh, there's this is no like, like you know. Um, Hate on other nonprofits, but there's that nonprofit myth out there. Everyone said, "I don't want to work for a nonprofit because they don't pay." So yeah. we, as nonprofit leaders, yeah. have to pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to treat our employees well. We have to do things like benefits and sabbatical policies, and mm-hmm. and um, really care for our team. You already heard me harp on it for thirty seconds to probably three minutes, um, but we have to. We have to do that, um, and we we have to be better.
2: Well, I. I For individuals that get a chance to go into your cafe. Our cafe. Our cafe. (laughs) (laughs) Our cafe. Um, There's several things that you see. First, when you walk um, up to the door, there's someone that's already there to say hello. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not saying just hello to me, but they're saying hello to the unhoused, but they're saying their name. Mm -hmm. They know that human being. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a home to be known or seen. So that's visible right at the door Mm -hmm. before you get there. Everyone is given the tour. This is how you order. Mm-hmm. Everyone. If you have a backpack with all your items that you own in that backpack or you come with a briefcase, you're given a brief on how to order or be in this space. Then when you get to the cash register, you look at the menu, you see what you like, you get to the cash register. They, there's no pressure at the point of ordering. And usually, when you're at the register, there's a moment of, "Do I have enough money?" Mm-hmm. That question is there. Do I have enough money? Even if you have enough money, <laughs> the question. But you have you have allowed for your process to minimize the weight of that moment, mm-hmm. and so you have customers that are routine customers that don't even have a home that they go to, but you are a stop on their in their week. Mm-hmm. So you do a good job at not just um, giving good food and hiring good people but your process is deliberate and it creates dignity for everybody in that space. And when I hear you, Lorena, talk about housing, you're talking just as aggressively about that $3 million home mm-hmm. as you are about the, about the $100,000 home. And you're like, we need all of them. And so you've been, mm-hmm. you both been just as deliberate in making sure that dignity was present yeah. um, at all levels. And I just, I appreciate that you lean and you are present as human beings in that space because some of the transactions are visual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People can see when Lorena, when you're presenting, that this is something that means something to her. People can tell, Maggie, when you're going around and you're hugging people at the tables and you're going around and your staff is smiling and they're remembering names. I I, I even remember a young lady that would bring her child and they would come and it was, it was, this was their lunchtime, their mm-hmm. family lunchtime. So I just appreciate the presence that you have in your spaces and that you bring all of you and not just a transaction. Mm-hmm. The transaction that I see is that I could be you and you could be me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's no difference between the two. And have been. Yes. Yes. And have been, yeah. So with, with all the work that we talked about out in the conversation that we, we we walked through, there's still some listeners that don't feel empowered mm-hmm. to lit, to lean into this space. Lorraine, what advice would you give to that listener? And Maggie, will follow mm-hmm. you. What, a, what advice would you give to that listener who's at home in their living room? They just, they care about housing or they're experiencing um, homelessness. Um, what advice do you get them to feel empowered to activate and be, and be present? I
0: think just lean into your passion and just start. Just start yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Talk to someone. Start. I mean, and this is one of my favorite things about where I am right now. It's great to be successful just in general. Mm-hmm. But it's really great when you know that you can be that you can be the person who that little girl Mm -hmm. on that cot Mm -hmm. like I used to be could hear my story and know that she could sit in this chair. Right. Because I didn't know that at that time. I just want I wanted to do something. I didn't have yeah. anyone to look to that was another yeah. little black girl that who wanted to cool. fix a problem for That's the cool. world. Or the I mean, I want the world, but I got a community right now. <laughs> I want to fix it for everybody, but I got the community. I didn't have That's that cool. example. So the really cool part, I think about, big part about what I do that I think is really cool is I get to be that example. Mm-hmm. But the reality, so when you said, I could be you. You could be me. That goes both ways, uh, that's right? Good. Like that's I have good. been, and they can be. That's good, right? That's so good. Um, that's good. And so, I mean, you just got to start. Yeah. If it's something that you're really interested in, you're passionate about, just start. There yeah. are good people who will be willing. You got to. You started a whole restaurant yeah. by just talking to the community and then yeah. finding people who were smart in different res- respects of what you would need to start the business. And boom, look what you're doing. Yes. You know. Um, I lead very much in the same space. I firmly believe in finding people smarter than me and getting out of their way. Like my job is to do overall strategy and get the political will to do the good things for the community, get them the resources and get out of their way. So find somebody who's really smart, who knows the stuff that you want to learn and just sit down and talk to them and Mm -hmm. listen. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of great agencies in our community doing really cool stuff. Mm. And most of the executive directors like Maggie will be happy to talk to almost anyone. You know, so I think just just reach out.
2: Thank
1: you. Amanda. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. she nailed it. Yeah. I got nothing. No, um, I always have something. Um, no, I think. I think also on top of all that yeah. is get uncomfortable. Like put yeah. yourself in uncom- mm-hmm. uncomfortable spaces. Put yourself in spaces with people who are different than you, mm-hmm. um, and learn and and educate yourself and show up. I think what you said just start right. Like also show up. Yeah. Show up to meetings that you need to be at. Or and and and. and Listen, but then use your voice when yeah. you when you see fit. Um, but yeah, get uncomfortable and just be present. And I think if you need something really easy and tangible, it's start volunteering at an organization. Mm-hmm. Like show up at an organization that you're passionate about and and just start. To mm-hmm. your point.
2: Now, this final question is: How can they find Lorena?
1: Oh, if, if Let they they give you your to, phone number. <laughs> 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 my number is. You <laughs> actually I
0: mean, I'm so easy to find. Like, you can literally Google a name, you know. Um, but I, uh, my email is l-o-r-e-n-a dot m-c-d-o-w-e-l-l at wake.gov. You can email me. I reach out to everybody at Respond. You can Google me. You can get my email, my Wake County cell phone. Most people do. Um, <laughs> call me and email me. Um, but w- uh, most of the folks who work for Wake County are really, really accessible. Mm-hmm. So you just need to reach out. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Can't even imagine how many calls you get a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. Come see us. Um, you know, come come give us feedback, come, come chat with us, come meet with us. Um, I am, yes, you can you can uh, find us online at table.org. You can visit us on social media if you're on social media, chat GPT, if you're on chat GPT. Um, but Maggie at tablerolly.org. Uh, again, all that's online though. But would love for people to to come to Raleigh and 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 eat with us. That's
2: awesome. And again, thank you, Lorena and Maggie, for being here. It's a pleasure. Um, please look up these individuals. They are doing some amazing things, not just in Raleigh, but uh, Maggie just held a Pay What You Can Cafe conference here. Um, and Lorena has won many awards for the work that she's <laughs> oh, doing. Yeah. Um, for, My for, for teams do. Her team <laughs> are, We are we. <laughs> <laughs> So again, please uh, Google um, Maggie and Lorena and uh, follow their work. Um, Even though they have accomplished so much, they have a vision for five years out um, for what they're gonna do. And so again, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to hang with us today, sharing your thoughts and knowledge and opinions on the matters that are local and empower people to really take control of their local spaces. Again. This was edited and produced by Airfluence. And thank you for joining us on uh, Illogical by True. Thank you.